Thank you for listening to this message from Lifehouse Church. Good morning, good morning. Hey, pray for those children's workers, man. There are a herd of kids back there. So that's awesome. We love that. We love seeing that. I did want to take just a moment this morning um, and as the lead pastor here and just talk a a little bit just about membership. Uh, We just recently had members come in and they're going to put their faces up there. All right. They're already up there. And um, we always want to honor those who've come in and decided to go into membership. And and if you don't know the process here at LifeHouse, Sometimes good just stop for a minute and talk about that. But we really try to take people from first-time guests and, and make a connection with them. We usually send out an email, and then we do something called a connection lunch where we buy you some food. And we get to sit down and talk together, and then we do welcome to church, and we try to get people involved in groups and teams following that. And then a lot of times people are interested in membership, and that's what these folks have done. And this is Carlos and Trini uh, Cintron, Justin and Katie Reeder, and Dennis Frick all decided to become members of LifeHouse. They're LHC. Years. We don't we don't tattoo them or anything like that, but um, we don't have an LHC tattoo or nothing going on, except maybe those licking sticks. I might get some of those. But if you're interested in membership in the future, we'd love to sit and talk to you about that. We don't ask people to make that decision quickly or lightly, but um, thank you to each one. Would you give them a hand? They joined in. Yep. I used to bring people up front, and, they, and I had one person tell me, if you ever do that, I will never become a member. So I stopped doing that. Um, yeah, I don't bring people up front. But this morning, uh, I, I'm excited to preach the Word of God. I always am. I love God's Word. I love um, the, what it speaks into our hearts and lives. And um, as I get ready to uh, preach this morning, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever looked at something like a thousand times, and, and maybe literally like a thousand times, and all of a sudden, the next time you looked at that something, you saw something that you never saw before? Now, that thing didn't change, right? It was always the same way. But you walked by it a thousand times. You've gone, you, you know, you stepped by, you stood in the room where it was. That happened to me this week. This week, we, uh, we were in here at the church, and we got temporary offices set up in the uptown room. And we, the staff comes in, and we're sitting there. And, and we're in there for hours and hours and hours each week, right? And I'm used to that room and everything that's in that room. And I spin around in my chair, and I look at a blind that's been hanging there for probably years and it was broke on the one side. First time I saw that. And I'm like, what? You know, and this blind was broke. And, and I mean, that's called familiarity blindness. You know what that is? Anybody ever heard of that? Raise your hand if you ever heard of familiarity blindness. It's a thing, okay? It's a thing. If you go into your house, right, you're so used to walking in your house, there could be a crack in the, the wall, there could be a dent in the door of your car. You don't notice it because you just gotten used to it. And that's what it was. And I walked into, the, um, you know, up there and I spun around on my seat and I saw it for the first time. And I'm like, hey, how long has that been broke? Did that break last week? And they're like, no, it's been like that for like months. And I'm like, really? You know, and we got this conversation. It's, it will be fixed, by the way. Right? And if I'd have walked into an unfamiliar space, I would have picked up on that. And this morning, I want you to look at something that you've probably looked at a thousand, maybe a hundred thousand times. And hopefully by the end of this message, you're going to see a little difference. So I want you to do something. I want you to take your hands, lift them up right now in front of you. Okay, just your hands. Look at the back of your hands. You're probably very familiar with the back of your hands. Look at, flip it over, take a look at your palm of your hands. You're probably thinking there's nothing new there. Okay, I've seen that this morning. I saw it yesterday. I saw it the day before, right? Well, hopefully by the end 
of this message, you're going to learn something different about your hands. You're going to, there's going to be a different spiritual aspect that's going to go along with your hands. And if you got your Bibles, you can head to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Turn to somebody right now while you're turning in your Bible and say, we're going to talk about hands today. We're going to talk about hands today. We're going to talk about hands. 2 Timothy 1, chapter 1, all right, verse 1. And just to give you a little background as we go there, 2 Timothy is a letter from the Apostle Paul to Timothy, a young minister, a young protege of Paul's. And Paul walked alongside of Timothy for some, uh, so quite a bit of time. Timothy um, went along with him on multiple missionary journeys. As Paul went, the Apostle Paul went to different cities. And at this point, what we're going to pick up in the, in the letter um, Timothy's been at the city of Ephesus now for about four years. Paul is writing to Timothy from a dark, damp Roman prison cell. And um, just this is taking place just before Paul is going to die. This is in A.D. 1967. Paul would soon be beheaded uh, by the Roman emperor Nero. If you know anything about Nero and the Roman Empire, Nero was what I would call certifiably crazy, okay? He really was. And um, one of the things that Nero did, he would torture Christians. He kind of used them for scapegoats to complain about everything that was going on in their society. And he would literally torture them and kill them. And and Paul ends up being one of those. So this letter is to Timothy, and and he's writing it to Timothy right before he's going to die. And so 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God in whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did and as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you. You can hear the personal nature of this letter that he's writing. He knows the family, right? And, and um, he's talking to him in that way. Um, then it says this, uh, therefore, in verse 6, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my what? hands. Paul's writing to this young protege and encouraging him to stir up the gift of God in him, to stir up the gift of the Holy Spirit in him, to stir up the gift of preaching and and teaching that was in Timothy. But he tags something on the end of this. He said, which comes to you or through you by the laying on of my hands. These spiritual gifts became active in Timothy's life after Paul laid hands on Timothy. So what's Paul talking about here? What does he mean by the laying on of hands, right? What is he referring to? Is this just kind of a metaphorical reference of some kind? You know, did he physically lay hands on Timothy? Did he shake the spirit of God into him? You know, the gift of God into him. Do you ever want to shake somebody a little bit? All right. Uh, you know, do, 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 or did Paul's hands possess some kind of spiritual power that, that we're not aware of? What did he mean by this? Well, to fully understand what Paul is talking about here, we got to explore the whole counsel of God. How many know you got to look in God's word? You got to look for patterns. You got to look for places. 
places. You got to look for repetition. You got to find out. You confirm the word with the words. Good theology, by the way. So we're going to start and we're going to take a look in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We're going to try to pair a little, a little bit today and talk about what hands uh, have to do in Scripture and, and hands and really the transfer of something that takes place with our hands. So while you're turning, I'm going to go to Leviticus 1. one. I'm going to jump a lot in the Bible today. So if you got your Bible, you're going to do some Bible flipping. If not, you can just look up at the screens. And if you're online, you got the screens as well. They're going to have the scriptures up for you. Thank you for joining us online this morning. It's good to have you. But I want to make a statement. Things are transformed with our hands. Do you know that? Things are, they're transferred by our hands. Uh, we can transfer something by our hands. Now, I could, go, I could walk down here. How many know it pays to sit in the front seat, right? And I could say, Dennis, you know, you're looking really good today. And I, I love that you're here at church. I'm just going to give you my credit card today. All right. And I'm going to let you go shopping this afternoon. All right. No limit. That's like, yes. Right. I transferred something right from my hand to his hand. Now, Dennis is going to transfer it back to me. Right. Right. Yeah. He's passing it around a congregation. I'll get that later. All right. He's going to pass that around. There's a transfer that takes place. We can transfer something from our hands. And, and Dennis, I transferred over to him. Leviticus 1.1 says this. Let's go back into the Old Testament. It says, now the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tabernacle of meeting, saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock of the herd of the flock. If his offering is a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it to his own free or at his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Then look what it says. Then he shall put his hand on his head of the burnt offering, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. He shall kill the bull before the Lord and the priest. Uh, Aaron's sons shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood all around the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. What is happening here? There's a transfer taking place. There's a transfer um, from one hand, right, to the, to, the, to the bull. In the Old Testament, the central worship location was the temple. This was before Jesus. This is before Jesus came and became the final sacrifice for our sin. So the only way for remission of sins, the only way for forgiveness of sins is they would bring an animal sacrifice. Blood had to be shed. The Word of God tells us that anything that sun, sin touches eventually dies. And, and, and this is what took place. And in Instead of, um, you know, uh, if we were had sin in our lives, we would bring a bull, right? We would take from the flock and we would bring a, 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 an animal that was not blemished and we would come to the temple that was set up and they would go through the door of the temple and there was a brazen altar. And when they got inside, what would take place is they would place their hand on the bull and so would the priest and he would lay his hand on. And there was a transference of sin. All right, it was, it was a symbolic uh, of sin being transferred over as they laid hands on that bull and then they would sacrifice that animal and the blood would be sprinkled on the brazen altar. There was a transfer that took place. You see it all through the Old Testament before Jesus came and became that final sacrifice. In Leviticus 3.1, when his offering, it says this, when his offering is a sacrifice of peace offering, if he offers it of the herd, whether male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord, and he shall lay his hand on the head of his offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and Aaron's sons and the priests shall sprinkle the blood all around the altar. 
If the whole nation of Israel sinned, Leviticus 4.15 says, Then the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands on the head of the bull before the Lord, and the bull shall be slain before the Lord. Over and over again. This took place every day at the tabernacle where, that, where worship was taking place. Every day um, they would come in and, and there would be this, this uh, transference that would take place. And, it, and God did that for a reason. One, I believe, I, I don't know, I'm going to confirm this one day when I give them, but I think God wanted people to see the hideousness of sin right? How sin can lead to death and how there has to be a blood that was that sacrificed. And, and two, he, he wanted them to see this transference that takes place. It was, it was symbolic of what Jesus would do when he, come, when he would come to this earth and he would be the final sacrifice for all of mankind, for the sins of mankind. Three things are transferred by our hands. Now listen, it's not only a sin thing, Aren't you glad it just didn't stop there, right? It wasn't just about our sin being transferred. It wasn't just that. But there are things that are transferred. There are spiritual aspects that accompany the laying on of your hands. Look at your hands again. Come on, why don't you just keep looking at them this morning, all right? There's spiritual things that can happen with your hands. There's a transfer of authority that can take place. There, there's an authorization that can take place. There's a, a, a recognition of somebody's calling. There's a recognition of mission on someone's life, a commissioning. There's a recognition of God's gift and call on someone's life. There's an empowerment uh, of that gift that comes. There's a setting aside uh, of a large group of people or even a small group of people for an authorized work, all by the laying on of hands. Numbers 8, 5, we'll go into the Old Testament first. It says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the Levites. The Levites were one of the tribes of Israel. If you think about a nation, there were 12 tribes in the nation of Israel. And God says, I want to set one tribe, the tribe of the Levites aside from among the children of Israel and cleanse them ceremonially. Thus you shall do to them to cleanse them, sprinkle water of purification on them. Let them shave all their body. Let them wash their clothes. And so make themselves clean and let them take a young bull with its grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil. And you shall take one, uh, another young bull as a sin offering. And you shall bring the Levites before the tabernacle of meeting and you shall gather together the whole congregation of Israel, the children of Israel. You shall bring the Levites before the Lord and the children of Israel lay their hands on the Levites. They would pray over them. They would commission them. They would assign them. They would empower them. Moses was instructed to have the children of Israel lay their hands on the Levites, tens of thousands in this group, and they would take care of the temple. They were set aside as a group of people to care for the things of the temple, to care for the holy things of God. There was an authorization that took place, right? We still practice this in ministry today. If we have young ministers who come up and get credentialed and do the study and, and, and do the work and they test and they get their ordination, what we do is we bring those ministers together. The bishops come together in the organization and they lay hands on them and they pray over them. They authorize them. They say, we see the gift of God. This happens in the church and should happen in the church. People in the church recognize the gift of God or the gifting in someone's life, and we lay hands on them. We pray over them, right? Uh, we see this over and over. Numbers 27 and 18, Moses lays hands on Joshua, who would be the next leader of Israel. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay our hands on him. It's all through the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament as well. 
In Acts chapter 6, the early church, in Acts chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now in those days, when the number of the disciples were multiplying, there, there arose a complaint. How many know a complaint happens? Okay? Doesn't matter what century it's in, what year it's in. There was a complaint that took place, and the Hebrews uh, were upset, or the Hellenists were upset with the Hebrews. And really what this boiled down to is it boiled down to a complaint that the disciples, the 12 disciples, were not taking care of the widows. And there needed something, something needed to happen in this. And, and, and they came, they brought the complaint, and the, the disciples said, you know what? We can't walk away from the work we're doing. We're in the word, we're preaching the word, we're studying the word, so we need to set seven men aside. And that's what they did. Stephen was one of the men, it says, full of faith and Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nacor, Timian, Pornetheus, Nicholas, uh, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And what did they do? They prayed and they laid what on them? Hands on them. There was a transfer of authority. There was an assigning of God on them. There was an authorization by faith, right? By the Spirit, laying on of hands. Look at your hands. You didn't know all that was in there, did you? Uh, Come on. Let me show you another place. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. It says, now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who has been brought up by the Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul, which would be Paul, for the work of which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them away. Right? Whether you're clergy, whether you're a layperson and working in the church, there's this idea of laying on hands and saying, we authorize you to do this, to do the work of God in this area. Paul tells Timothy in his first letter this very thing. He says, let no one despise your youth. It's his first Timothy 4.12. Be an example to believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Till I come, give attention to the reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. The elders recognized the call of God on Timothy's life, and they laid hands. Don't underestimate the power of laying on of hands to authorize. There's a transfer that takes place, right? When we did, last week, we did a baby dedication. We brought the parents up, and and we did the dedication ceremony. And at the end, the the family came together. You all laid hands or raised hands out, and we laid hands on that child. And we dedicated that child back to the Lord, right? It's the laying on of hands. It's the praying over people. It's the signing spiritual work. And and I want to do more of this here. We need to lay hands on one another and pray, right? Amen? It's true. We do that sometimes when we come to the altar. We lay hands on shoulders and we pray. There's power in that. It's biblical. And I, you know, I don't, I don't know what it's going to look like one day when I go to heaven. Uh, maybe you, I don't know if you've ever imagined heaven. I do sometimes. Like, what's God's kingdom going to be like? You know, is it, is it going to, I don't know, your picture is probably different than mine. But, I, you know, as I walk into heaven, one day, I, I know what I want the first words to be. I want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. That's the first thing I want to hear. But when we come into the kingdom, I wonder what it's going to be like. You know, because we're going to get authorized to do new things, right? They do not need preachers in heaven. <laughs> I'm going to be out of a job, okay? I, 
they don't need preachers in heaven. So what's going to happen in heaven? You know, I, I don't know. I kind of imagine like a, a kingdom, you know, and in the kings, they used to knight people, right? They'd, they'd lay the sword on the shoulder. They'd come and kneel and they were authorized to defend the king and they represented the king and, and, and were ambassadors for Christ. But what's going to happen in heaven? Are we going to get authorized to do new things? Maybe the hosts of heaven will lay their hands on us and, and you're going to get a new assignment in heaven. I don't know. I can't confirm that. But I imagine in my mind, Because you see it all through the word of God. There's a transfer of authority. Hands also can be, there's a transfer of the spiritual that takes place. Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 9. Listen, I'm walking you down through scripture. I'm talking fast this morning. But I want you to see this through the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid hands on him. It was a transfer. So the children of Israel heeded him, as did also the Lord had commanded Moses. It's Old Testament. New Testament, following Pentecost, when there were 120 individuals in the upper room in Acts chapter 2, and they're waiting on the promise of the Holy Spirit. Following this event, when they're baptized in the Holy Spirit, they go out into the community. They begin to speak God's word. They're speaking in the language of the people that are all around in the city of Jerusalem, and there's... and. That continues, and in Acts chapter 8, shortly after, when the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, they had, uh, for as yet he had not fallen on none of them, they only had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were only baptized in water. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. The apostles and the disciples were going out. They got out beyond Jerusalem. They started going out into Samaria, and they began to lay hands on these these individuals who came to Christ for salvation. And let me be clear here. I can't just pick somebody out at random and will and just come lay hands on you, right? And you're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's not what it's saying. There's other factors at work. First of all, you got to have faith to receive anything from God, right? That's from salvation on. You got to have faith. There's got to be desire. You got to be seeking, all right? But the power of the Holy Spirit from the laying on of hands, we're just a conduit always for God. We're just, the word of God goes through us. The spirit of God works in us. We're just a conduit, right? I'm just a message boy. I say that all the time. I'm just a vessel that God can use. I have no power in me. It's all God and it's all him. But there's a transfer that takes place. We don't possess the power within ourselves, but we know the one who does. Do you know that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are an ambassador for Christ? Do you know that ambassadors are authorized, right? They represent the government. They represent a a president. They are authorized. There, There is some power that goes behind that. And I can tell you, the enemy doesn't want you to know this. He doesn't want you to realize, look at your hands again. He doesn't want you to realize there's anything there. He wants you to think that you got nothing. He wants you to think, well, hey, you're saved and you're on your way to heaven, but you got nothing else, right? Man, good thing God got, just got you through. He doesn't want you to know that there's power there. He, wants you to, to, he doesn't want you to know that there's authority there. He doesn't want you to know that there's transfer that takes place. We, we need to understand what the Word of God says. And this isn't a spooky thing. I know about the spiritual spooky stuff, amen? How many know that you get into spiritually weird, right? That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking biblical. Laying on of hands is an act of faith. You can think of it in that manner. When you go pray for somebody, you lay hands on them, it's an act of faith. 
When I'm bold enough to lay hands and pray over somebody, that's me stepping out. And, and God always meets faith. I got a friend who does that. He'll go into a restaurant, man. If he sees somebody that's got a crutches or they got an arm in a sling, he doesn't even know him. He don't care. He gets up, goes over, starts chatting with them, talking with them. Hey, how'd you get hurt? How'd you get injured? Can I pray for you? And he just quietly kneels down and he'll just put his hand right on, right? And he just prays for him. He's seen people healed in restaurants, flips them out, right? Like this, like what, huh? You know, and it's working. Also, he's seen that happen, but it's because he steps out in faith. And he lays hands. There's a transfer that takes place. And even if they're not healed, right? Even if, even if you go pray for somebody and they're not healed, because I'd like to say every time I prayed for somebody, they got healed. Listen, I prayed for people in the hospital and they died. I'm just saying. It happens sometimes, right? I'm just being honest. I can't tell you every time I pray for you, you're going to get healed. I've seen people get healed pray, but that doesn't always happen. But at the very minimum, do you know that a couple things are taking place? One, you're showing them the love of God. You're showing them the care of God, for one, right? For two, they're, they're sensing God's presence because God's presence dwells with you. You should know that as you lay hands on. And, 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 you know, as we do this, if nothing else, there's a transfer of blessing that you can put on somebody's life. Do you know that? You can speak blessing. There can be a transfer of blessing with our hands. You can bring blessing over them. Joseph, uh, in the Old Testament, the Word of God shows us th this idea of blessing. Jacob, his dad, who God renames Israel, was, is going to bless his grandsons. He's going to speak blessing over his grandchildren. Jacob's getting elderly. He's getting ready um, th th to breathe his last soon. And, and Joseph, his son, brings his two boys to, to Jacob. And he wants, God, he wants Jacob to bless him. He wants to lay his hands. This was tradition. This was Jewish tradition. They would bless their children, right? Their grandchildren. And they would speak blessing over them. So Joseph brings the boys in. And, 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 you know, dad's old, Jacob's old, and, and, and he thinks that his dad is confused because what, he, what Jacob begins to do is he begins to put his right hand, which was meant for the firstborn, by the way, right? In Jewish culture, the firstborn got a double portion of the inheritance, and, and, and the right hand was supposed to bless the firstborn, and then the left, the others. But when Jacob's grandsons come in, he switches it. He puts his right hand on the younger brother and his left hand on the older brother. And Joseph says this in, in 48, 17, he says, Then Joseph saw that his father had laid his right hand on Ephraim, and it displeased him. So he took the hold of his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. But truly his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, Be uh, by you, Israel, will bless, saying, May God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. And thus he said, Ephraim, before Manasseh. You see blessing taking place by the laying on of hands. You can go to the gospel of Mark and, and, and actually in Matthew, and Jesus has the disciples all around him, and there's children trying to come in to see Jesus, and the disciples are shooing them away, kind of like the whole herd up here, all right, uh, up here in the class. And, the, and Jesus, you know, the kids want to come to Jesus, and, and the disciples are going, no, no, go to uptown, <laughs> all right, go to class, go, go over here. And Jesus says, ah, oh, let him in, let him in, let him in. And what does Jesus do? 
He blesses them. He lays his hands on them, and he blesses them. At a minimum, when you pray someone, for someone, you can pray a blessing over them. You can speak blessing over them. It's Jesus plus our hands. It's the Holy Spirit plus our hands. It's our hands transform, transferring God's love and his purpose and his power, right? It's a transference. As I get ready to close, I'm going to ask if the worship team would come. Our hands can also transfer healing, right? Jesus' hands always transferred healing. In Luke chapter 4, verse 40, when the sun was setting, all those who had, had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to Jesus, and he said, and he laid his hands on every one of them, and they were healed. The demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, you are the Christ, the Son of God. I want you to picture this. Jesus is there, and everyone who comes with diseases and sicknesses he lays hands on all of them, and all of them are healed. Those who have demonic influence in their life, and that was very common back in that culture, uh, witchcraft that was going on, he would lay hands on them, and they would be free. And you say, well, that was Jesus. And to that I say, you're right, okay? That was the Son of God. But listen to what Jesus says in Mark 16, 14, as he's Getting ready to leave this earth, he's rose from the grave, he's speaking to his disciples, he's talking to those who are witnesses that he rose from the grave, and he says this in Mark 16, 14, later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. Say believe. These are believers, right? In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They will recover. I didn't say it. The Word of God says it. Look at your hands. Do they look different this morning? Are you seeing something that wasn't there before? Are you, uh, uh, maybe you've looked at your hand a thousand times. What are you seeing different? God has purpose for your hands, right? Along with your faith in him and his power. Listen again, we don't got anything in us. There's nothing special about my hands. All right, I, I kind of got small hands actually. All right, there's nothing particularly special about my hands. But my hands plus Jesus my hands plus the Holy Spirit, my hands plus the power of God, my hands plus blessing, right? All those things, right? We use our hands. Our hands. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Thank you for tuning in to this message from Lifehouse Church. We pray that you were impacted powerfully by this message. If you have been personally affected by our ministry and you would like to partner with us as we love God, love people every day, visit our website at www.lifehousecog.com.